Can you say a little bit about who you believe the beings were that visited you and what you believe their purpose was in making that visit? One of the questions from our viewers is to do with how long you think these beings have been in contact with humanity and do you believe that they will at some point disclose their presence to more people? Juan's encounter was on September 6, 1978. That same week, there were two other reports of encounters, like his, within a two-kilometer radius. G'day and welcome to The Fifth Kind TV. You're with me, Paul Wallace, today in conversation with Juan Perez. Juan Perez is the subject of the recent Alan Stevelman movie, Witness of Another World. If you haven't seen that movie, it's a strong recommend from us. And it's an in-depth analysis of the impact on the life of an Argentinian farmer of a close encounter when he was 12 years old. A group of people was expecting to hear a fantastic tale, but Juan broke down. What happened? What did he encounter? Speaking to witnesses like Juan, the phenomenon could not fit in the four-dimensional physics that we use every day. Por mucho tiempo lo llevé al miedo. Muchísimo tiempo. Juan is a hunter who has been hunted. More than 30 years have passed, and he still has PTSD from that childhood event. They were describing an impact on consciousness impact on their thoughts. Para mí era un sueño normal. An impact on their dreams. And an impact on their life. These people have something to teach us. We demonize the unknown. We are afraid of it. Now, many of you guys watched that and were full of questions, and we had the opportunity to connect with Juan Perez just the other day and put some of your questions to him. So thank you to Alan Stevelman for setting that up for us. I'll go straight to the conversation that we had with Juan. Juan, it's wonderful to be in conversation with you today. We are full of admiration for your courage in the journey you made and shared with us in that movie, Witness of Another World. And among the questions that our viewers had for you, we wanted to know 
What was the impact of making this movie for you? Because it begins, we see footage of you when you were, I think, 14 years old at a UFO Congress. And even in that context, you felt unable to speak because you felt that nobody would believe you. So can you tell us a little something about the impact of making the movie and the effect that that has had on you? The experience of working with Alan was something that changed me because until that very moment, I had something that I could not tell anyone. I was ridiculed during my whole life and until I turned 47 years old, I did not know how to tell my story in a proper way. And in some parts of the movie, I could not tell my story in a good way also because I had a great fear since I had to remember everything that had happened to me, which was something really scary. It is really difficult to see and acknowledge things, and at the same time, it's something very difficult to describe to. I had many horrible memories, and to express the things that were happening to me when I was 12 years old is very hard. People do not believe you, and thanks to the success of the movie, people began listening to me. Since then, I opened myself up to talk about the things that happened to me when I was a kid. Can you say a little bit more about what difference making the movie has made for you? The film changed my life. It healed my fear. However, I still have a great fear to the unknown. What happens next, the things that are there, what is going to come. But anyway, the movie changed my life. It was a healing process. And I have many friends who are listening to me and at the same time are seeing what I am doing. I like that. Juan, can you say a little bit about who you believe the beings were that visited you and what you believed their purpose was in making that visit? I never knew the purpose that they had with me. Until today, I ask myself, why did that happen to me? Who were they? I always thought that they were the tractor drivers who came here to work the land. I didn't know other people. We are rural people. We even didn't know how to reach the nearby town with my dad. In the state, we were given the goods, and until I was 15 years old, I never went out on the countryside. And the school was also in the rural area, and to reach it, I traveled on a horseback. We didn't have any contact with the rest of the world. More than a year later, I didn't know yet who those means were until Mr. Serpa came. Juan, in the movie, we see you with Dr. Nestor Belanda. Uh, he's a psychologist and he's working with you to help you retrieve other memories of the encounter. Can you say a little bit about what those other memories were and how they helped you to understand what it was all about? The work of Dr. Berlanda helped me to understand what was happening to me. 
One of the things that I usually experienced after the encounter was that I had some dreams. And those dreams became real. Between my 14 and 15 years old, I realized that what I dreamt came to later. However, nowadays I know how to control them. For instance, last weekend I went to a lecture and when I fell asleep, I dreamt that I was going to have a quiet travel, and it was a total change. This was three days ago. It's very strange what happened because I asked for a ticket, and the lady who was handing them out gave me not the one that I asked for. She gave me another one, and that's why I took another bus. Can you tell us a little bit about your connection with Jacques Vallée? We see him in the movie, he greets you with a warm hug, you obviously have a very warm connection with him. Can you tell us a little bit about the significance of Jacques Vallée in your life? He's one of the first people who came here to listen to my story when I was turning 14 years old. For me, he has been a great friend, as well as all the rest of the people who are listening and watching me in this video. I like that because I know that some people will hear my story and that love is much bigger than the mockery that I have suffered from during almost my whole life. In the movie, we see the beings that visited you directing you in some way to your deceased grandfather and through him to your Guarani ancestors. Do you think that was part of their purpose, to connect you with Guarani wisdom and with something forgotten? And what was for you the most important thing that you learned from the Guarani elders? Wow, that's really beautiful. That's something that goes directly to my heart because that is my blood and I didn't know that they were coming because of that. What do those beings have to do with that? I don't know yet. And what do they have to do with the Waroni people? I know that the Waronis, since they are children, are in contact with them. And that's why they are not afraid of them either. I should have known that since I was a child too. And they share a lot of things with them. Those beings are there because they are ancestors. They are the first ones who are on earth, I think. Juan, you talk about the experience of experiencing precognition in dreams. Uh, you have a dream and then the thing actually happens. And you also mentioned that you have anxiety when you look to the future because some of the things that you've seen in those dreams are a darkness, a time of torment for planet Earth. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Are you anxious as you look to the future or do you have um, some reason for hope in what's coming up for us? That's a very good question. I am afraid of the future, deep in my heart, because all the things that have happened to me have become real. It is really difficult. I am really afraid of the future because I saw that black cloud which is coming and there is a lot of death. 
But before that, something different is going to take place. We are going to kill each other. And that is happening right away. In many places, that is currently happening. We don't know each other anymore. And we are all the same, black or white. We are all humans. I would like to tell people that we are just the same. There is no difference. There are different communities, the ones which have more commodities and others which do not have many goods. But because of that, we don't stop having the same heart and the same blood. Maybe some of us have a weak heart and others and a strong one, but at the end, we're all the same people. One of the questions from our viewers is to do with how long you think these beings have been in contact with humanity, and do you believe that they will at some point disclose their presence to more people? Before that, something is going to happen, and we will have to face that. They are afraid of us. If we catch some of them, the most probable is that we are going to carry on some experiments to see what that being has eaten. We are bad people. They are afraid of us. Even though they are much more powerful than us, they are not going to attack us. They do not feel entitled to do that. But they have been living for a long time with ancient people who were more docile. They knew very well who were each other. Juan, I know you've mentioned in another context that your mother had a close encounter. Is that something that you can talk about? And does she have evidence of, of her experience? I know you had a mark on your body. Was that the same for your mother? I don't know. However, since she was a little girl, she has been saying that she had an encounter when she was walking on a hill. And in that encounter, her little dog was stolen. The little dog was really afraid, and my mom says that the dog was taken from her arms. She says that she was a very little girl, and she still remembers what happened to her. After that encounter, she also began seeing in dreams what is going to happen next. And there are some cases in which I have been with her. For instance, there was a case in which she knew what was going to happen with her grandson. And five minutes later, my sister called her, telling my mom exactly what she had told me before. She told me that my nephew was having some health problems, and my sister said exactly the same thing when she called my mother. At that time, that thing was really strange, although nowadays that is something that we can control. Juan, I'm going to read the next question to you because it's got various parts to it. It's from a viewer who says, Juan, thank you so much for sharing with us such an important aspect of your life. During the experience with those beings, were you able to ascertain whether those beings had a soul or if they were more like robots? Were they good beings or celestial beings or were they dark and cold? Did they tell you anything about your family and your distant relatives? Were they in contact with these beings? Thank you and God bless you.
Bueno, esa pregunta está muy linda porque son tres en una si vengo a la razón. I like that question because there are three questions in just one. My whole maternal family, including my grandfather, are with those beings in the other side. They are waiting to close the circle of every family, the father and the offsprings. It's like a tree, a plant, and I was taught that by my friends in the Amazonian region. There are the tree, the branches, and the leaves. The trunk is the father, the branches is the mother, and the leaves are the offspring. And because leaves fall down, some of them are raised in a good way and some others don't. They always refer to the plant flower, life as things that comes from the soil, the Pachamama. That's the way we call it here. And there are some others who refer to the beans, especially the Guarani people, as the Tatas. Grandparents, or the Tata, grandfather in singular meaning God, in this case. That's the being who travels. And I never could understand the place in which I saw my grandfather and I was with my family. And when I came back, my horse was still tied up in the same place. And I got scared because of that. What happened to me? How I went there? Was the horse behind me flying? How did I travel? What did I do to go there and see my family? And see my grandfather, who I love him so much. The other part of the question was whether they were good or bad people, and if you thought they had a soul. If they were bad people, I wouldn't have come back from that place. And if they were robots, there was a little one that I saw, but that one didn't care about me. And there was a big one who was someone alive. It was something very strange. It's like saying that I have Guarani ancestors, and why are they so small? And in comparison to my ancestors, I am told. When I arrived there, they told me that they knew that I had a big soul, but they didn't know that I was so tall physically speaking. And it's like everything that we usually see. They are good people because if they were bad, we would no longer exist, and they are afraid of us. And more of them will appear when we get to the point of destroying our planet. Hopefully one day, and I don't know why I am telling you this, but I think I am telling you this because I am a gaucho, because I am seeing that planet Earth is being destroyed. I live in a big countryside here, and many states, a million of hectares, are being destroyed. We no longer live as we usually did 40 years ago. We don't know each other anymore, and we are killing each other, and every time is worse. Juan, thank you so much for connecting with us today. It's been a great privilege to speak with you. Before we conclude, I just wanted to ask, out of the experience that you've had, the close encounter and the processing of that experience in the movie, has that given you some insight into life or the universe? Sí, conocí una, la parte de nuestro. 
Yes, I began to know about my life thanks to Alan, Orlando and the Warani people. Before that, I couldn't live it. I learned many things. I learned how to live. Today, I am at home and these things fly around very low and a few time ago, my mom had another encounter. It's something really hard to tell and at the same time not bursting into tears. Even though those beings are good people, the experience itself is traumatic and at that very moment what happened to me when my horse go out. And then I saw my family and when I came back my horse was at the same place where I left it. I don't want to leave that anymore. What happened? I asked Dr. Berlanda and he told me that my mind traveled with them. But how? I don't understand that. Experiencing that is very traumatic. The person who's been abducted knows what I am talking about. How could they have that kind of control over us? There are many good questions, but there are a few answers. I am a gaucho. I didn't study, I couldn't even finish the seventh grade in primary school. I have lived my whole life here. Why will all of this happen to me? Alan, Dr. Melanda, Chevalier, they ask me questions. It's really difficult, really difficult to live this. And I am telling you this because they are great friends and they believe me. And if 20 people laugh at me again, I send them my best wishes anyway. And although I am called the crazy one, the wise man, I have been speed and I have not been greeted by hand. I am a good person and I have suffered from a lot of discrimination. That's bad and it was because of this abduction. However, today I no longer care about that. I had a hard time in the past, but now I am living my life. Juan, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's been great fun bringing our questions to you. I know you've experienced some significant things since the movie, so I hope we'll speak to you another time. Thank you. To see the movie Witness of Another World, go to witnessofanotherworld.com. Every close encounter case is different, but they also have certain things in common. And what is especially interesting in the case of Guam is that we have um, uh, very similar cases in the United States, many, um, many of which have not been published because they involved children. And those, those children, the families did not want to report what, what had happened. Uh, very often the, uh, the observations created conflicts within the family or, uh, or people felt that this was something that was 
for them personally and that they did not need to be uh, to be published um, occasionally uh, these are the witnesses who approach me because they they trust that I will keep their confidence that I uh, many of the, the cases I know I have not published and uh, also the uh, the witnesses when they grow up will integrate that experience within their life as one has done and uh, that process is very interesting and uh, these people have something to teach us. People often think about close encounters and UFO phenomena as if they were something new, as if it were a post-war phenomenon, but that's really not the case. The moment we begin to listen to ancestral memory and read the world's ancient texts, it becomes clear that the interweaving of human history and ET contact is as old as humanity. Accounts of close encounters go back thousands of years. In our historic art, in prehistoric cave paintings, in our ancestral memory and ancient texts, Reports of contact with beings from out of this world pepper the pages of human history. In ancient times, men used to live side by side with the supernatural and gave it a sacred value. Thousands of people throughout the history of mankind have claimed encounters with the supernatural. The UFO phenomenon could be an archetypal modern image of the sacred we demonize the unknown. We are afraid of it. I must confess that I also fear the unknown, but I want to break that barrier and discover if this is a real phenomenon or just something that has been made up. In 1978, a young man named Juan Perez had an encounter that would totally change the course of his life. If we pay attention to the world's ancient narratives, and if we listen to the experience of witnesses today, it becomes clear that there's a mysterious connection between ET phenomena, human consciousness, and ancestral and shamanic knowledge. They're all interconnected, they're all tied together. In the life story of Juan Perez, we get to see how these three strands weave together within the experience of one person. In a world that questions whether close encounters are real, how does a witness tell what they've seen? And what happens if they choose not to tell? And if we listen, how do we discern the difference between something imagined and something real, something experienced, and a true encounter. How do we verify it? If we have the courage to follow the questions, what answers might emerge? With Juan Perez, we go on a journey that takes us to places we may never have expected. Juan's encounter was on September 6, 1978. That same week, there were two other reports of encounters, like his, within a two-kilometer radius. 
the three of them witnessed the same phenomenon, but their outcomes were all different. Juan was the only one of the three who was not afraid and had the courage to discover what existed beyond the fog. The UFO phenomenon exists. It has been with us throughout history. It is physical in nature and it remains unexplained in terms of contemporary science. It represents a level of consciousness that we have not yet recognized and which is able to manipulate dimensions beyond time and space as we understand them. It affects our own consciousness in ways that we cannot fully grasp. These words belong to Dr. Vallée, a French astrophysicist who was dedicated his whole life to studying the UFO phenomenon. He used to work for NASA, helping to create the first computerized map of Mars. He also collaborated on the Blue Book project. It was more than 30 years ago that he had traveled to Argentina with his wife to meet young Juan. Today, so many years after that first meeting, I've decided to send him a letter and tell him about what we were doing without ever expecting that he would even reply. And now I'm waiting to see him. Today, I feel that he's the one who can answer my questions about the phenomenon and help Juan and I both understand how his story fits into other stories around the world. And what is it that motivated Dr. Ballet to visit us, considering that this is just one of the thousands of cases that he studied? Do you think this was a special case for you? Yes, it's always been a special case. It's very rich in terms of testimony, not, uh, I mean, he was the only witness in this particular case, But remember, we found three other cases at the same period in the same area that uh, reinforce each other. So we, we know the phenomenon was active. The phenomenon was there. My own interest is more, what is it that happens to the witnesses? How can we help them? The witnesses, when they grow up, will integrate that experience within their life, as one has done. And uh, that process is very interesting, and uh, these people have something to teach us. Jacques Vallée is a world-renowned astronomer and computer scientist. His work has included significant projects for NASA and a number of books on UFO phenomena. When I started this research, the, the important question for me was, is it real? I mean, and then what is it that these people are seeing? What is it teaching us in terms of science that can, can be useful? And for example, uh, the, these objects seem to be able to move at very high speed, and they, have, uh, they seem to have a propulsion system that Uh, uses gravity in ways that we don't we don't know how to use gravity. The if we could understand that process, this would have major applications to industry, not not simply to fundamental science. But if we could, I mean, obviously we're we're trying to go into the the cosmos. We're trying to go to the moon and Mars. Now we have rockets. 
Well, rockets is a 5,000-year-old technology. This is not high-tech. I mean, this is a very primitive way of moving uh, in space. Uh, the UFOs don't, don't use rockets. They, they use anti-gravity. And if we're, going, if we're going to be serious about going into space, we have to, to develop an understanding of microgravity. So my, my big question for part of my, my research was, how can we measure as many parameters about the, uh, uh, the trajectory of UFOs in order to improve um, the way we are going to go into the sky someday. Now, uh, many people are doing that. Uh, contrary to what people think, the, the subject is very active, very much alive in many uh, aerospace companies, uh, including in the United States, and many people are interested in the same, in the same question. But my own, my own interest is more now what, what is it that happens to the witnesses? How can, how can we help them? Um, many witnesses in close encounter cases encounter trauma, um, certainly psychological impact on, on their life. Uh, sometimes that impact is positive, but in many cases it is you know, it is negative. It's, uh, there is a rejection from society. Sometimes they feel that they are going, going crazy, but we know they are not going crazy. We know they saw something because we, we, can, um, we, we can research other cases in the same area and we can form a global model of what they saw. And I want to try to, uh, to help these people and then they help me when they tell me the details of what they've seen. In, uh, in the United States, a friend of mine, uh, Professor Salisbury, Frank Salisbury, is a professor of biology in the state of Utah. And he has studied uh, UFOs uh, extensively. And we have uh, taken several trips together to speak to witnesses. His um, approach is to think of the UFO phenomenon as a display, as if the phenomenon was uh, displaying itself, was exhibiting uh, images that in part come from the background or from the consciousness of the, um, of the observer, of, of the witness. So in a, it, in a way, it's always the same phenomenon, but it appears as a slightly different in a slightly different form for different witnesses. You and I might hear of a UFO sighting one day and forget about it the next. But what has happened for the witness? How has their life changed? Juan Perez invites us on a 40-year period in his life. And what he shares with us on this journey potentially changes how we think and feel about the whole phenomenon. When people want to be dismissive about UFO phenomena or reports of close encounters, they'll often say, oh, here's someone who wants their face on TV. They've just made up a story for 15 minutes of fame. Well, that's something you cannot say about Juan Perez because with amazing courage, he invites us 
into his own story and shows us from his own life what it means to have such an encounter. Many people experience PTSD as a consequence of these experiences. Many people take years to process what they've seen and experienced. And by sharing his own experience, Juan Perez shows us both the impact of the experience and the meaning behind it. There is an aspect of the phenomenon of close encounters that doesn't often get aired, and it has to do with the impact afterwards on the consciousness of the witness or an alteration to the person's cognitive ability. I think often people don't share this aspect of the experience because they don't want to be made a joke or a case study, which is such a shame because it is an empirical evidence of what has happened. And I think through mockery or ridicule or shaming, we as a culture really rob ourselves of knowing about these things. So I greatly admire Juan Perez for inviting us into that aspect of the experience. He makes himself vulnerable to us and he does it with amazing courage. Juan Perez and filmmaker Alan Stiefelman have drawn us into a place of deep feeling. This is not a dry documentary. For me, this is a movie about being human. It's profound, it's moving, it's a beautiful experience. And all the questions that it raises about the credibility, the impact, and the meaning of a close encounter, I believe will stay with you for a long time.